This is Pivot Perspectives with Chris O'Byrne, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on their road to success and get exclusive access on how to implement their success into your life and business. Pivot Perspectives is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Chris O'Byrne. Okay, Ben Albert, welcome to the show. Chris. I'm excited to be here with you. This is going to be fun. I am excited also, and I have a lot of questions to ask, so I'll probably run out of time. Uh, but before we dig in, I'd like to get people sort of a big picture idea of what your world is like. So what is the big picture of what you do? The The biggest picture, if we were to go 10,000 feet, is my goal is to get the the wisdom and the knowledge and the lessons from the folks who have it to the folks who need it. get At the end of the day, whether it's hosting a podcast, Real Business Connections, whether it's as a marketer at Balbert Marketing, helping businesses bring in the right kind of clients, or as someone who's an avid networker and hosts a networking group, I am the person who needs the wisdom half the time. So my goal is to learn, bring other people on board, and help share lessons and stories the best I can as I go. Uh, that is a good big picture. So one thing that you had written was that you love to help business people find the essence of who they are and then empower them, etc. But the that's the the part about the essence of who they are. What is that process like? Yeah, um it's it's an individualized process. Um I actually I just got this done right now recently. It's my keychain. It says there is no key, which is kind of tongue in cheek cuz it's a keychain, but I joke all the time that there isn't a key to success. There's no key to fulfillment. There's no key. It's not A to B. It's not linear. It's a combination lock. And each and every one of us has an individualized combination. So when it comes to finding the essence of who you are, it's similar. You know, think about how we all have a fingerprint. Why do you think they take our fingerprint when we get in trouble? It's because we all have a unique fingerprint. We all have a unique DNA. We all have a unique essence. So truly to find who we are, we need to, one, do the inner work, and that's a big, long rabbit hole we can go down if you'd like, and two, find our own combination based around surrounding ourselves with the right kind of people, finding the right mentors, finding the right peers, finding our sweet spot. At the end of the day, learning, if, if Chris has a playbook, I want to learn your playbook but I also need to learn how to audible and create my own plays based on who I am. So it goes back to what I said, no key, it's a combination lock. And my goal, and I think everyone's goal, needs to be to find our own unique combination, our own unique essence. And that's how we achieve pretty much whatever we want. And again, it's whatever I want, it's whatever Chris wants. It's not what the world tells us we should want. It's our individualized journey. Well, I can't argue with that about the uniqueness. How do you dig that out? How do you find that? Or if somebody just wants to do it on their own, how do they go about figuring that out and, and unlocking the combination? 100%. So I think our stories tell a huge amount about ourselves. 
Um, all the answers are basically written in our past or and they're written by who we want to become. So uh, there's kind of two things we can do here. Let's do a past exercise. And you look at um, mentors, we'll call them mentors, and we'll call them antagonists. Look at stories in your life where you had a mentor that had a certain value, had a certain skill set, you need to inspire to be like them. What do those stories tell? What values and skill sets did they have? Write those stories down. Write down a list of those values because I'm willing to believe those are values that you have today. Same thing with the antagonist. It's generally stories where someone showed a lack of a value a lack of compassion, a lack of kindness, a lack of growth mindset, a lack of patience. And now you might be a patient person because your father wasn't patient with you. So you look at these stories, what did I have a lack of? What did I have an abundance of? What story? What do those stories tell me about who I become today? And that gives you a little bit of background on who you are and how those moments shaped your life. And then you look at the mentors, you look at the person that's six days, six weeks, six years, 60 years in front of you, what lessons can you extract from them so you can kind of put the negative away from the past, grab the positive from the past, and then use these mentors to move in that forward direction? I know that's a lot right there, but if we go inward looking at our past, our values, and what define us, and then we look at the people we aspire to be more like, how do they act? What do they do? What system and processes do they have? We can create our own route to get towards and even past the people that mentor us. So a lot of people are going to share the same values that I share. So why does understanding my values and, and what values I want to in, uh, develop, why does knowing that help figure out my uniqueness? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, wow, you're going to have me thinking about that all night. <laughs> because I don't know if that necessarily helps you figure out your uniqueness other than the fact that it figures out your unique place in the tribe and community, pe uh, the people you're going to serve and whatever you're going to build. So if you truly value compassion, my willing and my bet is that you're going to go into a compassionate industry. And if you're not in an industry that values compassion, you're going to feel like a fish out of water. So it's going to push you in the direction to surround yourself with the right community of people with similar skills or complementary skills. I don't know if that makes you unique in the fact that you're in a community of like-minded people, but your storylines are what are unique. Where was compassion prevalent in your life? Why are you working in this industry? Why are you excited about what you do? Those stories are going to be unique and they're going to be magnetic to people that resonate with those stories. So when you're creating content, you might be saying the same thing that Chris, Ben, and 50 people have already said, but you'll be saying it in your own unique way because you have those data banks of stories and experiences. So does that make you unique? Not, not at the core. At the core, it's the same value. It's your fingerprint. It's the way you tell the story. It's your experience that's unique. 
So I'm still going to think about that all night, Chris, but I hope that was a decent answer to that question. That was a decent answer, especially on the spot. Um, it, it seems like the how we express our values is part of what makes us unique. Absolutely. It's well said. Thank you. The um, So then let's uh, uh, let's say i've gone through the process and i understand my values and how they make me unique and and how i like to express them how do i apply that say to my business and because there's uh, i'm i'm sure it affects all aspects of our life but how in particular maybe would it affect our business yeah it's it's huge when you're talking about why you do what you do and who you help it's huge when you're expressing explanations in your story, in your history, give you a really simple example. I wanted to be a basketball player my whole like life. I literally, when I was a kid, I had a Jersey for every single day of the week. I had great shooting skills, would play literally all day long, um, lived to be five foot eight. And in high school, I was literally the shortest boy in school, second shortest person behind a little girl named Olivia Lee. So guess what happened? I got pushed around, I got bullied, and I gave up on basketball because I just, I, I don't know, it's just, I felt bullied, I felt small, and I felt like I didn't fit in. And part of why I started my community, Grow Getters Only, is a lot happened since that day, but I developed a growth mindset because I knew what it felt like to feel small. And I wanted to build a community that lifted each other up, that we celebrated wins, that we shared information. Because that kid that was small and gave up on basketball, for all we know, I could have been the next Muggsy Bogues and I could have been 5'8 and still made the who knows. But one of my missions in life and one of my values is growth and development. And that's exactly why I built a growth-oriented community to help each other not feel small and to lift each other up and i've actually never told that in that way before chris but that's just an example of growth is the value getting bullied when playing basketball and not being tall literally lack of growth is the situation and that's part of why i started grow getters only so other people don't have to feel that way just a simple example for everyone i like that on, in, on an interesting side note that doesn't really play much into this, the, I'm friends with a guy named James Donaldson who used to play with the uh, Seattle Supersonics, and he's 7'3", and he did not learn how to play basketball until he went to college. Wow. And then went on to do well. So just like, yeah, it just brought that to mind. You, you can't, Chris, you can't, <laughs> you can't teach size. No. You can't teach size, that's for sure. <laughs> So why did you start a community? I mean, I, I kind of gave you the gist of it. Um, I wanted to surround myself with growth-oriented people. This wasn't in my head now, but it's an easy way to explain it. Um, I was speaking to James Aldicher, and he has a concept of plus-minus equal. A plus is a mentor. A, a minus is someone who's a mentee or in a business context, they could be a client. And then an equal is a peer. Maybe you're sharing referrals, maybe you're sharing information. You're not necessarily doing business together per se, but they're a peer, they're a collaborator, they're like a mastermind partner. So the whole concept of Grow Getters Only 
was to bring in mentors, brilliant speakers that I was meeting through networking in the podcast, have them mentor my peers and serve as, you know, have, in some case, I'm a mentor, mentee, but it really was just that plus minus equal um, relationship that we wanted mentors to come in, work as peers, and kind of build those relationships and do business together um, was the core of why I did it. Because at the end of the day, I was meeting really cool people. I feel super humble. I don't know why anybody spends time with me. I'm pretty boring, Chris, but I <laughs> wanted to bring those people to my community and highlight them. And it was just an easy way to do that at scale. So I love James Altucher and I love his brain. Uh, I've learned so much from him and his mm -hmm. books. Um, and you've interviewed some really cool people, you know, Cal Fussman and Jordan Harbinger. I was pretty impressed at some of the people on your, on your list. How did you go about establishing a relationship with them to then make them part of your community? Because everybody loves to hear about the cool people. So that's why I picked those out. Yeah. Um, I, I was a student first and we could do like literally an hour and a half just on this one topic. But I was a student of Jordan and James for 10 years prior to ever even reaching out to them. I'm not recommending someone be a student for 10 years, but it's not like I was willy nilly just sending outreach to people that I had never met that were way out of my league. I was listening to podcasts in like, I started in around 2013, 2014 is when I started picking up and listening to podcasts. In 2016, I launched a music podcast. In 2020, I launched a business podcast. I started hyper locally because I was a business owner in Rochester, New York. So I wanted to network and learn from other Rochester, New York business owners. That's why I started Rochester Business Connections. That developed and rebranded into real business connections over time. Rochester Business Connections, James Altucher, Jordan Harbinger, they're not going to come on that show. But I started to build a local foundation, a local audience, rebranded so I could talk to other mentors and speakers. And there is a lot of strategy behind it. Um, I'm listening to podcasts literally every single day. And one thing I do every time I listen to a podcast is I reach out to the guest. I often reach out to the host, but the guest, if I've never heard of them before, Chris, I literally every time reach out to the guest and say, hey, I heard you on Jordan's show. Hey, I heard you on James's show. Hey, here's three takeaways. I appreciate it. Um, subscribed or connected or cheering you on. I send everybody a positive message. And over time, I started bringing on fantastic guests. And the way I found those fantastic guests was being a consumer. I wasn't finding them out of a list. I wasn't just guessing. I consumed a podcast that they were on. I'm like, oh my God, Chris is amazing. I brought him onto my podcast. Then I developed a good, you know, uh, well, let's just call it C-list. I know that's ridiculous, but I developed a good list of C-list guests. And then when I wanted to start reaching out to bigger name guests, I would name drop. I would use the names of previous guests on my podcast that they were mutually connected with. So if I know that, you know, Hala Taha is connected to Alex Sanfilippo and Jordan Harbinger, 
I'm going to reach out and say, Hala, I love what you're doing. Um, here's three things I've learned from you. You know, I've had Jordan and I've had Alex Sanfilippo on the podcast. I thought you'd be a good fit for my audience as well. So I didn't make the big outreach from day one. I actually developed a local community. Then I rebranded to national. Then I brought on a bunch of value-driven guests. And as I did, I'd ask my guests for nominations. I'd ask them to nominate and introduce me to someone who might be a good fit. And then in the long run, I started name-dropping guests like Mark Bowden, who has a big YouTube channel. If I name-drop Mark... um, and here's another thing. I'm just like rambling on, Chris. I'm verifying that they're connected on LinkedIn and connected on Instagram before I make the name drop. And I'm kind of making an assumption that they probably know each other. Uh, and more often than not, I just think that um, that social proof is truly what gets me in the door more than anything. I'm not that pretty. I don't have a face for radio. I think that the social proof is a big driver and the fact that i'm just working every day to grow the show promote it and build my audience the best i can so i'm I'm interested now in kind of the the thinking that went behind your growth and so there was a progression where you started hyper local and, and started expanding was that was there a strategic plan behind that or was it more reactionary with oh like look at what's uh, look at this opportunity and and then you grow through those unexpected opportunities what was your thinking like throughout that yeah i I assume you want the the real answer oh yeah it um it was reaction (laughs) it was reactionary and it was driven by ego it was a hundred percent driven by ego let's use jordan harbinger as an example I would be honored to have him on my show. It's never going to happen with a local-based podcast. Just isn't. So I was, again, let's go back to where we started, getting the wisdom from the people who have it to the people who need it. And I am in the need it category. I wanted to learn from these people. And the podcast was a platform that I could accelerate that and amplify it to more people. But Rochester business connections would never attract these people to speak with me. So I rebranded for ego because I wanted to learn from them. I did know that I could share that knowledge, but it was it was for Ben. Um, and what's funny, when you look at business and entrepreneurship, quadrupling down on Rochester business connections would make me more income because small business owners in my hometown with the proximity, with the in-person, with the coffee chats, there's a higher probability to turn those people into good friends and clients than with a big international podcast. So staying hyper-local is actually a better business decision to be the Rochester marketer. There's plenty of people in Rochester, New York. But out of ego, Chris, and love of learning, I didn't care about the money. I want to be big in Rochester, but it's I love Rochester, but I just wanted to learn from other people. I wanted to learn from Chris. I wanted to learn from James. I wanted to learn from Jordan, Amber Lee Lago. And it just wouldn't happen with the way I branded it. So I rebranded it to make it possible. I like the honesty behind that. And 
truthfully, I would think that 99% of the people listening uh, have gone through or are going through that exact same process. They are doing what they're doing, more reactionary and taking advantage. And part of that is, you know, there is some, um, some business intelligence to see those opportunities and to move forward with those. And so now at this point, I would imagine that you are starting to be more thoughtful and more strategic about where you're going. Do you, what, what are your uh, community expansion? What, what's your community expansion vision? Mm. Well, I, I have a, an event tonight, the day we're recording this, where I'm announcing something new. So it's it's an interesting time to ask me that because I can't talk about it for another four hours. Um, but truly, it goes back to what we already said. It, it's getting the wisdom from people who have it to people who need it. It's finding our own combination by learning and networking with brilliant people. Grow Getters Only, the community I've built in Real Business Connections, the podcast, is really just a starting point. So I'm announcing it all tonight, but I'm gonna host some. I'm gonna uh, launch something private. I'm gonna launch something exclusive, and none of the free stuff's gonna go anywhere at all. But I'm gonna continue to put out more free options. Then I'm gonna put out private options where we can go really deep together. Um, uh. And I don't plan on making this a, a billion dollar project. But if we can help people, one business owner at a time. I just think we've got a better business landscape in a better place. So your net, this has kind of turned into a networking show. I wasn't sure which way we would go with this, but there's a lot of networking knowledge and, and wisdom here. Sure. So you are going to speak at the traffic and conversion conference that's coming up. And that's a big deal. That's a big conference. So how did you, and, and I also saw your post on LinkedIn about now being a contributor uh, with the Digital Marketer and the work you're doing there. How did that relationship develop and why did you develop it? Yeah. Um, well, first off, thanks for being so insightful and staying up on things. I really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, Chris, Mark DeGrasse is the president at Digital Marketer. Um, I had met someone, Dustin Reichman, and he was a guest on Digital Marketer. He's a great guy. He teaches podcast guesting. And he introduced me to Mark. I think he introduced me to Mark, but I got in touch with Mark and was a guest on the Digital Marketer podcast. So was guest on their podcast. Mark and I hit it off. It was a great conversation. And you're good at this. You're active on LinkedIn. I don't just have a conversation and then disappear. Mm. I don't treat this as press for me. Oh, wise Ben gets his message out. Like, no, I, I, I am learning every single day and I want to develop a relationship. So I continue to keep in touch with Mark, send him a DM, send him a meme, goof off. He came and spoke at one of my grow getters events. So I started to develop that relationship. So digitalmarketer.com actually used to host the traffic and conversion summit and that's in las vegas if anyone doesn't know richard branson's the keynote speaker damon john speaking great list of people so digital marketer used to host that they've kind of given it over to a different company but they're kind of consulting on it this year 
So Mark reached out to me and basically said, hey, there's no guarantees. Like he's the president of the company, but he's not running the event. There's no guarantees. Um, but I'd love for you to submit as a speaker application to be on that summit and I'll put a good word in for you. Um, he probably sent, he even said this at a faculty meeting, the launch. He sent that to a lot of people. Not everyone got in. I got lucky. I feel like I was just popped out of the womb lucky or something because I don't know <laughs> why I got in. But I decided to create a interesting topic title and pitch it in a way that I thought I was touching on something different than the norm. And I got the green light. But it all starts with developing a relationship, getting an introduction, guesting on a podcast. He guessed it on my podcast. He spoke at my event. Then on a whim, I put in an application. He puts in a good word. Then I'm speaking with Richard Branson. I didn't skip the line to Richard Branson, I think is the key here. It's these little yeah. relationships and these little opportunities building upon each other, getting you higher and higher to your next feet. As one of the speakers, will you be able to uh, have a chance to talk with Sir Richard Branson or Damon John? Not a clue. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun to see how it plays. They're selling VIP packages that are like 10x um, the cost of a typical ticket and involve meet and greet. I don't know if my speaking ticket will allow me into those same rooms or not. I wouldn't be upset if it didn't, <laughs> but I also, I'll be honest with you. I haven't even thought about this, Chris. I'll probably reach out, reach out to Richard's team. I'll probably reach out to Damon's team, thank them for speaking at the event, notify myself as a speaker at the event as well, and make some sort of offer for them to be on the podcast. But I'm going to wait till after the event to do an offer like that because I want to be like, hey, I saw you speak. I spe yeah. spoke as well. Again, we're talking about networking a lot, but it's really just um, adding value, making more deposits than you pull out, and being very mindful and strategic when you reach out um, to understand you're just reaching out to a human being yeah. and understanding human psychology and human behavior enough to do it in a strategic but also kind and compassionate way that you get the results you're looking for. So now you get to prepare for your talk. <laughs> uh, and I'm curious, how you how are you going to prepare for that talk? What What is the the reasoning behind your preparation? Hmm. The reasoning behind the preparation. Yeah. I'll be really embarrassed if I fail. I'll be the first. Not many people will miss this, uh, admit this, Chris. I'll be the first to admit. I feel like ego is a huge driver in most of our lives. I don't know how to solve for having an ego, but the thought of failing myself in the audience makes me nauseous oh yeah and maybe that's ego based but the thought of having an opportunity and doing poorly makes me nauseous the thought that i could have someone in the audience that needs the message that i have but i'm underprepared and i'm a crapshoot making i'm i almost said i don't know if i could swear but an s show was the word i was going for like that makes me nauseous 
And really my preparation is what am I going to say loosely so I understand where I want to take it? What are the slides going to look like? And ensuring the confidence in the mindset that I am there to serve and I am there to deliver because if I fail myself in the audience, I'm going to feel like crap. It's a missed opportunity. So that's the honest answer for you, Chris. Now, I'm assuming that you've picked out, you already know what you're going to talk about at this point because it's, what, about six weeks away? Mm -hmm. uh, can you share what you're going to talk about? It's utilizing podcasting for a social proof gold mine. So, knowing you're in front of a big audience, why did you choose that topic? Because um, podcasting will be a case study, but there's a lot of very simple examples like we talked about today that it's an audience of marketers. And I'll, I'll give you a huge tip right now, and I'm happy to do it for you if you want me to, is one of the ways that I get lots of reviews and lots of testimonials from people that I meet is I ask them on the spot. And every single day, business professionals are having conversations. You know, they just helped fix a, fix a system that was broken in someone's business. And by coming in as an operations consultant, was able to fix that broken system. And in quarter one to quarter three, the revenue went up 40%. They're on a call talking about the revenue growth, talking about all the positives. Everyone's happy and excited and want to continue to work together. And then they get off the call and six hours later, even worse, six weeks or six months later, Ben sends Chris a message. Hey, you remember we had that conversation? I was wondering if you could leave me a review. The best time to ask for that review is on Zoom in the meeting room on the spot where you can just click record and have it right there. I joke all the time, but let's say you're way back in the day you're dating. When's the best time to go in for the kiss? Is it at the end of the night when you're both drunk and sloppily walking home and she's like, I got to go now? Or is it at an emotional high point where the energy's high, you have rapport, you're both energetic and loving your time together? It's at the emotional high, but so many of us wait until way, way too late to ask for help, to ask for a review, to ask for a testimonial. So the podcasting is going to kind of be a core piece of the talk, but it's really about developing a system to get reviews and testimonials from people that have gained value from what you've done for them, and then how to utilize those reviews and testimonials to build um, you know, th that social proof for your brand and for your business so your message can reach more and more people. So for an example, mm -hmm. at the end of this show, and I go to then ask for a testimonial from you while we're still recording, what kinds of questions should people ask to pull out the best testimonial? That's a good question. I think it could get a little awkward if it's too interview style, if it's asked on the spot. Um, generally, all I say is, I'll, I'll, this is literally, I don't even have a script, but I say, Chris, you brought so much value today. I appreciate you. Literally, I appreciate you. Um, say no 
if you'd like. This is a no pressure situation, but I'm trying to get more testimonials and reviews on the podcast. So one, I can promote this episode and two, I can promote the show to more people so we can impact more people like the listener we talked about prior to our conversation today. Would you be open to leaving a testimonial? And they're like, oh, well, eh." and a lot of times they ask, like, how do I do it? And I'm like, we could just do it right now. And it's already recording. It's already going. We do it on the spot. Um, But in a scenario like that, it's not a dialogue. In a dialogue scenario where someone's willing to sit down and actually answer a few questions, this is what you ask, like what questions should you ask? It's really like, where were you before you started with the service? And that can be logical and emotional, preferably. Usually people go logical, but emotional is more compelling. Like I had just got let go from my job. I had zero dollars to my name and I needed a mentor to help me start my business. Then I worked with Chris. Then it's what did the process look like? What was the process of work looking together look like? Then I worked with Chris. He did A, B, C, and D. And then it's what solution did Chris bring for your business? Again, most people will go logical. They'll go, I started from zero and now I'm making 10,000 per month in revenue just in six months by working with Chris. And then I like to probe them because emotional, in my my studies, emotional is a little more compelling. So we talk the logical, then you ask, so $10,000 more a month in business, what has that done for you personally? And then the answer comes out, well, to be honest with you, I'm going to propose to my wife and now I can afford a ring or now I'm sending my daughter off to college or now I no longer have to stress about the mortgage. So then you take that where they were logically and emotionally, the process and the system and structure of working together. That's in the kind of the depth of the testimonial. And then you end with logically and emotionally. How has this changed your business? How has this changed your life? And that's going to be a kick but testimonial every single time. I don't take someone through that randomly on the spot. But one thing I love to do and I've done in the past and I have my clients do is you can set up a testimonial day, get pre-approval for someone to leave you a video review and just block do them on Zoom for three hours straight and just do them all in one session. The last thing I'll say about this because you asked me is if you're doing like a testimonial day, it's better off if you aren't the one asking the questions. You want to get a team member or a friend to ask the questions for you because it's less awkward. If Ben wants to leave Chris a testimonial and he's there, there's like this weird um, inauthenticity or what I don't want to. It's just odd. But if you bring in a third party that doesn't know anything about the scenario at all, they can just objectively ask the questions and give Chris or Ben the opportunity to answer. So that is the quick version <laughs> and then the strategy what questions to ask version for us i like that one thing i've learned or i've used before is uh video ask which is a a form actually type form is the company but you can ask the question and but the person who's on there they go there and they can answer the question or questions with audio, video, or even just text. I've actually had people write book chapters and uh, magazine columns uh, through that process where they're just 
they see the question and I give them the questions ahead of time. And then they're, they just talk through it. And for some people that really works well. Um, so going back to your talk, which all of this really is about what, and just for some structure, what are some key takeaways that you want your, uh, you want the audience to get from your talk? Chris, I haven't wrote the whole talk yet, man. I, <laughs> I like that you're challenging me and putting me on the spot. You know, the, the real key takeaways are things that I've already said today. It's that there is no key to success. It's a combination. And to start having conversations with brilliant people. It doesn't matter if it's a podcast, a networking event, start having conversations and learning from people and take their wisdom and help that change your business. Then once you start changing your business and methodology and you're an opportunity that you brought value can ask for a review, really just ask for those reviews, be shameless with it. Because at the end of the day, like literally 98% of people prefer a testimonial from someone they don't know above the business owner saying the same thing as the testimonial. So stop talking about yourself. I actually feel nauseous by the end of this interview just by talking about myself this much, Chris, in a talk that doesn't even exist fully just yet. <laughs> the real key takeaways are surround yourself with the right people add value so you're making way more deposits than you're taking out in the relationship because relationships will lead to something bigger and then once it re leads to something bigger find a way to document the experience whether it's by clicking record on a podcast whether it's taking a photo whether it's a social media post talking about the opportunity whether it's asking for a review document the experience because then you'll have leverage to start stacking experience upon experience and then you'll move up to where you want to go over time by stacking those wins upon each other mm, great now something, something we haven't like talked that. yeah no that's that's good i just wanted to know okay i figured you had a, an idea already even if you yeah. weren't completely ready um the and it's a it's a good way for uh people to uh, understand even it kind of encapsulates what you've been talking about uh, which which I like that summary something we haven't talked about yet is your marketing agency Balbert marketing I have no idea where you came up with that name but the uh, you started that process or, or you started that company really relatively not that long ago and it was during COVID and what was the well, how did that happen? How did you evolve from what you were doing before into running your own marketing agency? Yeah, you asked how I evolved, and evolve is a good way to describe it because we're always evolving. It's a constant evolution in our journey. And behind the scenes was a podcast addict, was reading personal growth, was in sales, was a sales executive for a corporate firm, um, didn't always agree with the way we did things and was learning my own methodologies and paying for mentors on the side while I was in corporate. So there's podcasting, personal growth, sales, marketing, self-development in a corporate role. COVID hits, I get let go. So the income, the book of business, all the momentum completely stripped from me. 
I was in a really dark place when that first happened, but all those things that I previously mentioned were still a part of me. People talk about saving for a rainy day. They're often referring to money. They forget about you can save skill sets, mindset. You can skill communi- uh, sk- uh, save communication skills and experiences. Relationships. Relationships for a rainy day. The, I always say dig the well. I actually got it from Jordan Harbinger. Dig the well before you're thirsty. The best time to go find a new well is... Wait, did I just say... Did I say before you're thirsty? I don't know, Chris. We might have to rewind the tape. But you it's did. Like the, you said dig the well before you're thirsty. I thought I said when you're thirsty. I'm like, that's not how you do it. Because if you dig the well before you're thirsty, when you're thirsty, you have a well. And the best time to search for more wells, more water sources, is when your well is already full. You don't want to start go searching for water when your well's running dry. You want to have multiple water sources well before any of the wells run dry. So you dig the well before you're thirsty. And and where did we start on this, Chris? I I I the evolution from being oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. You you caught me at a fun day today, my friend. So it, it that's all part of the evolution. So when I got let go, I I was in a dark place, but I really was able to start to day by day skill stack those experiences. I started, I had a music podcast. I changed it to start a business podcast. I was a marketer for businesses at a corporation. I started my own small marketing business. I understood social media. I got on LinkedIn and started building a personal brand on social media. I loved podcasting. So podcasting service and podcasting as a networking tool is something that I leaned into. So I didn't really do anything that exciting or different than the average Joe. I just leaned into my own, again, combination lock of experiences and was able to build a foundation strong enough to replace my income. And I'm not a millionaire, but I replaced my income and self-employed and have continued to build my way up from there. Um, and again, you, you said it with evolution. It's a constant evolution. It's a constant adaptation. It's a constant growth because if you find yourself plateauing or going downward, that's a really negative sign. I think all our life should be a constant evolution, a constant growth. How did you figure out how to start a business? I did. It's Google, I guess. I got an LLC. You said Balbert. So Ben Albert Balbert. The first thing I told my buddy, hey, I'm starting a business. I'm going to call it Balbert Marketing. I just got an LLC. The first thing anyone said to me was, nobody even calls you Balbert. My brother was actually Dan Albert Dalbert. I just sort of made up Albert on the spot because to my understanding, I needed an LLC to start a business. Little did I know, I didn't even need the LLC. I could have just started freelancing from day one, but I didn't know any of this stuff. It goes back, everything comes full circle, kind of like an infinity loop, Chris. It goes back to what we already talked about. I started talking to Rochester, New York business owners because they knew something that I didn't. Whether it's understanding accounting, whether it's understanding CRMs, whether it's understanding leadership, 
whether it's understanding how to scale, whether a virtual assistance, doesn't matter if you're a realtor, a CPA, a leadership coach, a salesperson, none of that mattered. Everyone I met knew something, a different aspect of bi about business that I didn't know. So I knew podcasting, marketing, sales decently. I wasn't fantastic. I, was, I had a lot to learn, but I brought people in to teach me all the aspects that I was weak. And some of them, like my QuickBooks, is not as pretty as it could be, Chris, but some of them aren't as good. Some areas I'm not as good as others, but I guess I'm strong enough to, to run a business and I'm, I'm figuring it out as I go. It's been three years. Which amazingly, almost everybody does when they're starting a business, they go through that same process. And so three years, you've learned enough to keep going most people are their business fails by that point so what are some of those valuable lessons that you learned along the way yeah it's 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 great because we've kind of integrated them in the talk thus far um but a big key is stacking wins day by day and hold yourself accountable to gain some wins every single day so every morning i have a short to-do list and they're non-negotiables. They're silly small. It's like jump on a podcast with Chris, invite five speakers to speak at my mastermind group, um, work on my podcast, fulfill client orders. I write down non-negotiables and I get them done. And once in a while, Chris, I miss one, but I still get a lot more wins than losses. And then tomorrow I'll have a list and I'll get them done. And I'll have a lot more wins. I, I try to bat 100, but I'll have a lot more wins than losses. And then I believe that confidence comes from memories of winning. So as I win the day, win the day, win the day, remain curious and learn every single day, I can develop my curious self and be a student. I can be a leader by educating and helping my clients and the people I work with. And if I can do both of those on every single day, I'm going to win the day. So hold yourself accountable. Even if it's the smallest to-do list, hold yourself accountable to win every single day. Find your own DNA code combination. Mine was marketing, sales, podcasting, and LinkedIn. Those are the things I'm best at. And focus on what you're super good at. Another thing we talked about that's essential is find your niche, find your community. I started with Rochester, New York business owners. You can do that with a location or an industry or a specific hobby. You can also do it with value set. Another thing we talked about, find people that are aligned in values with you. I didn't really know any of this stuff, Chris, when I started three years ago. And I find that the more I say things with certainty, the more I end up arguing with myself six months down the road. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly evolving. So this is to be descriptive, to describe what I've learned and what I'm going through. It's not to be prescriptive. I'm not going to prescribe that my way is the only way, but I'm just describing what I've learned so far. And again, have me back in two years and I'll probably argue with myself. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. And I noticed that your learning process, learning how to run a business, again, came through relationships. You you reached out and you asked people who, who knew that. Uh, compared to me, I read books. 
I'm all about books. And so that's how I learned. I read books mm. and I read books. My process was a lot slower. And so I think that's a good lesson for people to know, uh, not just all the other benefits of the relationships, but even just the fact that you can shorten your learning cycle so much. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, comes through from this is the, these relationships. That's where the gold is in so many ways. Have you then been able to significantly leverage your relationships, say from your community or your podcast or wherever to then feed your marketing business? And uh, has it been a source of lead gen? 100%. It's not yeah. the direct purpose of it, but I like to give people a client-like experience, an incredible experience, no matter what. Um, I fail all the time at this. I'm working at it all the time. But anytime I'm in a, any professional context, I want to over-deliver. It's important to me to over-deliver, whether or not they're a client, whether or not they're a prospect, whether or not they're a friend or someone I just met down the street. If they need my help, I want to deliver for them. By doing that, whether or not they're ever going to be a client or a prospect or a friend, they know what you're like as a business person. They know you show up on time. They know you care. They know you want to add value and over-deliver. So a lot of times those people you meet just in a podcast conversation or a random call ends up being a referral partner because you're front of mind. Um, so yes, it absolutely comes, but it's not like I'm... It's not like I do 50 podcasts and get 48 leads. Like it's, it's, it's way more nuanced than that. And I want to go back to something you said before with like reading books. I have mm -hmm. no problem with that. It, the, I could teach someone and I, I'd be kind of not doing everything I taught. I could teach someone how to scale really, really fast. But is that going to make you happy? The person that surfs 20 hours a week and works on their business 25 is probably not going to scale as quick as the person that works 70 hours on their business. And I'm not here to judge everything scenario, but there's a higher probability looking at that example that the 20 hour a week surfer is just as fulfilled and happy, even with less income as the 70 hour a week grinder. So it's really kind of figuring out what's going to work best for you and leaning into that. I don't think there's a right or wrong. You mentioned reading, and I was like, I spend hours a week reading. And is it more efficient just to bring on, pay a consultant? Probably. But I actually just really like reading. <laughs> I like yeah. YouTube as well. Yeah. Yeah, That definitely. I was, that's part of it. I was, I was hesitant. I, well, I didn't even know people in business mm. at that point. Um, and things really didn't actually take off in my business until I purposefully started reaching out to make connections, not for the purpose of turning them into customers or anything else, just networking and uh, changing the kind of person I surrounded myself with. Mm. And that really made a huge difference. What is the grand vision of where Ben Albert is going? Mm. These are such big questions. <laughs> I just want to help someone every single day. Um, 
I'd love to impact a million careers, one conversation at a time, a million careers, a million lives, one conversation at a time, and actually impact. I have a, a couple buddies, their goal is a billion. They're way more ambitious than I am in at least that goal setting, but I'm very confident I can do a million and I'm very confident that I can actually impact. And the key word here is actually, because let's say I were to put on a bunch of weight, then lose all that weight, get shredded and have a six pack, put on a before and after picture and get a ton of likes. That might motivate someone for a moment, but I don't know if it'll actually move the needle in their life, in their career. If I can actually move the needle in a million people's lives, imagine the ripple, the change you and I could create together if we're moving just little needles in people's lives. I think the business landscape will look a lot prettier and the world will be a better place. So let's impact a million lives. That's the goal. I like that. I think I'm going to leave with that one. That that was a good uh, vision. Mm. Of, of, yeah, I like that vision. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and thank you for uh, putting up with my questions and uh, oh, not getting stumped. Yeah, I mean, you oh, paused you a couple me. times. but You stumped you... me. You stumped me, Chris. But here's another thing, and I'm, uh, I'm on tangents today. I didn't want to be <laughs> scripted with you. Yeah. I wanted to kind of just speak from the heart based on what I'm learning right now. And I could give you the scripted answer. I just kind of wanted to give you the authentic answer. And I appreciate that. It makes such a difference. People enjoy it so much more. I enjoyed it so much more. Again, I had a list of questions that I could ask as we went along. But really, I wanted to ask just a couple to get the thing moving and then see where it led. And it led, as always where I never expected it to go. So really appreciate your time. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Now that we're still recording, can I ask you a couple promotional type questions slash yeah, testimonial? Yeah, rock and roll. I'm going to have another water. How was Absolutely. that? I definitely was a little more scatterbrained than usual. Yeah, but it, it there was a, a flow to it. There was, a, there was still a pattern and a structure to it. So... I think it came across as authentic. Yeah. But not, you didn't come across as scattered. Cool. I, no, not at all. I felt yeah. like a broken record because you'd ask a question. So I have key things that I believe in at the core and I say them all the time. And ah. I just going back like, oh, it's, it's I, I feel like a broken record sometimes. Because it's, again, I have some key lessons that apply to like everything. <laughs> and you're asking questions and I'm like, should I, I don't know where to take this. It was, it was, uh, I was, I was, um, it, I don't know the word for it. I want to say, I don't know the word for it. I was getting inward. I was getting thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Introspective was the word I was looking for. Introspective. Oh, I like that word. That was the word I was looking for. One thing I learned as a... Uh, an educator was the power of well, they called it the spiral technique. And so when you really want somebody to learn something, you come back to it and you bring it up in different contexts. Mm. And so, because we can hear it once and it sounds good and then it kind of fades away, but we hear it again and again and, you know, two, three, four times. And then all of a sudden it's starting to stick. And so I think that was the case today is, 
some of those because you you presented the points in different ways. Uh, in my a girlfriend different says all the Chris. My girlfriend says all the time. She's like, I get the point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, recording or I'd say something about my wife, but uh <laughs> this this isn't going to be on the podcast i don't imagine not at all no where when we said yeah yeah none of this is on the podcast um but she's a talker and and, and i'll hear her talking to my daughter so i also uh i have a 40 year old some kids in their 30s and i have a six-year-old and on purpose and the um and i'll hear her lecturing sometimes to her and i'm and i'm thinking in my head she gets the point. She got the point quite a while ago, mm -hmm. which I won't tell her until after the fact. Uh, fortunately, she's open to growing and tells me the same thing. So, <laughs> I have to ask you, you have a six-year-old. Yes, and 10 grandkids. And 10 grand. So whoa, I want to see your family tree. Did you, <laughs> did you adopt the six-year-old or was it like a mindful decision to do it later in life? It was a mindful decision with a new wife. She gotcha. always wanted children. And, and she, was, she was young enough to be healthy. Yes. She's 15 years younger than me. I'm almost 60. And uh, so she was like late 30s when mm. Grace is well, about to turn seven. Mm. But uh, yeah, best decision I ever made. Wow. She said, do you ever think you'd want to? I said, absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> it didn't take me long. <laughs> That's a blessing. And you're, you're going to stay young forever because you've got a little one running around. Oh, yeah. We're playing. We're doing all the games over again, all the imaginary play <laughs> and all the fun stuff. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So here are my questions. I don't want to keep you past the top of the hour. It's all good. It's up to you. What was your favorite part of our interview? So are you using the video or the just the audio? Or the words uh well i was thinking about using the video all right so that's good for me to know because i'll actually talk towards the camera and not like take oh, notes and things got it favorite part of the interview i another thing is um i'm not even good at probing people to do this but if the person responding can use the question in their answer it'll be easier for you to use so for example oh. I'd say the favorite part of my interview was the fact I was a little introspective. Chris took it in dire directions I wasn't necessarily expecting, and I believe it made for a really fruitful conversation. What do you think the viewer will enjoy the most about our interview? When the viewer watches this episode, this interview, I can only imagine that they might think, oh, this Ben guy is all over the place and they wouldn't be wrong. But I really hope they enjoyed the fact that we were descriptive today, describing our experience, my insight, what I've learned, um, not the X, Y, and Z perfect solution or perfect rule. And I'd only hope that the listener can take a little bit about what we talked about and then implement it into their own life. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Pivot Perspectives with your host, Chris O'Byrne. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advice on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we will see you on the next episode.